Okay, I just wanted to, uh, are we on? It looks like we are. Okay. Um, I'm going to be giving it to her for a little while. Um, I, I just wanted to thank the church for your faithful prayers and support for us all these years. Um, I was listening to uh, some of the folks in, uh, in the, uh, coming in about some of the former pastors of the church. Is it Pastor McLaughlin? Is that it? Anyways, um, going way back, but we just enjoy coming here. I wanted to thank you. Uh, it was a great opportunity to be able to share. I want to thank Pastor uh, Dan and his wife uh, for having us over to their house, getting to meet the kids, you know, the children. Um, we've been looking forward to it. We've been praying for Maggie, of course, all these years, uh, since uh, last year or so, since uh, uh, she was diagnosed, and uh, we just rejoice at how the Lord's working. I'm going to give uh, Wendy an opportunity to share a little bit about, I think uh, she can connect with the ladies of the church especially, but to share uh, from her perspective the, the ministries that she's involved in, and then I'll be sharing later too. see how we can do. Okay, how's that? All right. Well, it's um, good to be here, as John said, and uh, I just would like to share some things about our church and the children's Sunday school class that I'm involved with um, there in Peru. Our church is called Peniel. You'll be able to see some pictures later in the morning service. And it's a church in a poor section of town. Um, simple people, a lot of new growing believers. And so that's exciting. They just eat up anything that you, you share uh, from the word. So that's exciting to see. The church building itself is maybe not quite as nice as this one, huh, John? It's kind of like a barn, great big rectangle, cement, floors. Um, and instead of having windows and screens and everything, we just have open spaces. So we have a little bit of airflow through, which is nice during the day. It gets dark in Iquitos between 6 and 6.30 at night year-round because it's close to the equator. And so at night, the evening service, it's dark outside, and we have three electric lights down the middle. So guess what happens in a hot country? Okay, so we get the bugs that come in at night, and it's, uh, you see people sometimes slapping at mosquitoes as they're trying to read in the Bible, and so we have an interesting, challenging time with that. There's not running water at the church. There is um, a regular toilet outside that you can go, which does have a shower curtain in front of it now, which is an improvement from when we first went there. And so uh, you bring your own toilet paper too. So if you ever come visit us, yeah, you want to make sure you do that. Um, but we have a small Sunday school class at the front. The first Sunday I went there, they had just plastic like chairs you might have on your porch, cheap plastic chairs. That's it. No table, no place to put my, you know, notes to teach or anything. And the kids would sit on their knees on the dirty cement floor to color their picture on the bumpy plastic chair, which was uh, always interesting. But these are people that love the Lord. And that's the most important thing. And we're so thankful for them. We have a group of men in the church that gets up. Well, not during COVID, they're not allowed to. But before, they were getting up and meeting for primary at 5 in the morning. That's, that's dedication, and that's exciting to see. So we are hoping to hurry and go back. In my class, a typical class, I'll have maybe around 10 kids between the ages of 2 and 10, and I do try to keep the toddlers in there if I can so that their moms and dads can listen better. But a typical class is we'll be in this small room, and I'll have a toddler on my hip. I'll be holding some notes, which are in Spanish, trying to talk in Spanish, 
and um, also trying to put some flannel graph up on the board because that's very exciting for the kids. And we'll be, you know, hot, so we're trying to fan ourselves a little bit too and keep the kids controlled and listening to the story and thinking in Spanish a different language. And as we're trying to do all these things, um, we, well, we have to leave the door open because there's no light in our room. So the door's open, and it does let in a little bit of breeze, but it also lets in little chickens sometimes, so, and the cat. So we have, while I'm trying to do all these different things, juggling, we'll have the chickens come into the classroom. It's, you know, only a little bit distracting there. But one week when I went to church, we had an electric light. It was in the corner of the room, but we had an electric light, so we could shut the door then, and so we could keep the chickens out, which was at least good on that, for that. Another week I went to church and we had a table. So now we can do our crafts and coloring at the table. That's something the kids uh, love to do. And so that was exciting. We're making little steps uh, there in our church building. And the children love doing the coloring. But one week, evidently, for whatever reason, I was waxing kind of eloquent in Spanish. In English, I could do that no problem. <laughs> but in Spanish, anyway, so they didn't have a lot of time to color their picture. So they're you're like, oh, well, Wendy, I didn't have time to col finish coloring. And I just said, well, you can finish coloring at home. Take it home. And they looked at me like, well, we don't have crayons at home. I was like, wow, thinking of all the markers and crayons and, you know, things that my daughters had at home. And so for Christmas, I got, you can buy those things down there, but poorer people aren't going to be able to afford those things. So I went to the store and I got color pencils with a sharpener, with an eraser, and then uh, fat crayons for the younger ones, and gave that to them for a present. And when they opened it up, their eyes were like, wow, this is for me, all for me. It was so exciting to them that they had that, and now, if I tell the story too long, they can have time to, they can have something to color with at home. So that was a neat that we were able to bless them in that way. I have um, one little girl in particular, Dylene, she comes up and she gives me a great big hug, and it's so nice to see her do that. Even Charles, the pastor's son, every once in a while he'll kind of come and go like that. <laughs> like he's kind of embarrassed to do it, but you know, he wants to do that too. So that's neat. And there are two moms in particular, Magali, she's the pastor's wife, and Sarisa. And they come up to me regularly and they say, thank you so much for teaching the children. I don't know about all of you here, but I grew up in church since I was like a week old or something. And so I heard all the stories. But most of these adults are new believers. So they didn't grow up so even if they wanted to, they don't know all the familiar Bible stories to really teach them to their children. They don't really readily have Bible story color books that I've been reading to my girls since they were born either. And so they just appreciate so much. I started in creation, and we got up to the Ten Commandments, just teaching the basic Bible stories. And the um, moms and dads really do appreciate that. So I just wish that you would pray, especially for the kids, pray for their moms and dads too, because the quarantine measures in Iquitos, in Peru, were very, very strict. Everybody, we talked to Pastor and Kelly last night a little. Everybody in America we've talked to said, oh, we didn't have it too bad after all. <laughs> so the kids were not allowed out of the house for like three months. They were stuck. Most, my house is owned by the mission, and we have a house, we have a front yard, a backyard, and we have a great big gate with, you know, spikes on the top and brick walls of neighboring houses all around us. So my girls could get out in the back and front yard and get some sunshine, but they didn't go out on the street. They even asked me, Mom, can we go to the market with you today? They hate going to the market. <laughs> they just want to get out of the house. But a lot of the Peruvian children are stuck in row houses like this with brick walls between their house and the house, no windows on the side. Door, and they might have a pretty good-sized window in the front, 
and then maybe a door in the back, and they're stuck in there. Now, remember, these are some of them are the kids that don't even have crayons. <laughs> they don't have very many toys. They don't have a lot to do. March is when their school year starts down there, so they were just getting started, or some of them didn't even get to start school this year. In Iquitos, there's, there's sort of Wi-Fi, sort of. Um, not really fiber optics. Think dial-up, if, you know, anything, you know, for the speed of it. And most of them wouldn't have any, you know, connection to that. So a lot of them aren't even getting any schooling this whole entire year. So that is also um, sad for them. So just pray for them. They did finally let them out. They can go out half an hour, maybe an hour a day, but they have to just stay within, you know, half a, a block of their house or something. It's very close. Even if Grandma lives a five-minute drive away, they're not allowed to go visit Grandma and Grandpa. Grandma and Grandpa aren't allowed to go visit them. And so just especially pray for the children because it's very hard um, on them. One of the other things we do in my Sunday school class is we have a breakfast because a lot of the children wouldn't get one if they weren't coming. Well, of course, the churches have been closed since March, okay? So just um, really think of them because it's, I don't know, it seems maybe even harder on the children um, even than the parents. So some in Iquitos are starting to kind of go back a little bit more to life as normal, but the quarantine is still in effect till mid-December. Some of them are just, Ugh, I'm sick of it, I, you know, I'm going to go back to work anyway. They could face fines, but um, they are. Our city of Iquitos had about 74% exposure to COVID, so um, they're not really worried about having another wave because obviously there's not that many percentage left that could have it, but a lot of people um, did, did die during the time there. So just pray for the children and the people that are there. They should have herd immunity now, and so that's uh, helpful. We are looking to go back in January. There were some good signs. Flights were all totally closed. September, they opened up national flights. You could fly to different cities. Uh, October, they opened up. You could fly to Ecuador, Brazil, a couple different countries like that. November 1st, they opened up U.S.-Peru flights. Our mission board, ABWE, said, you know, wait a little bit. We have some steps of protocol before we let you go back to a country you evacuated. Want to make sure it's safe and the infrastructure is back in place. Iquitos, where we live, has rivers on three sides, one being the Amazon, and jungle on the other side. There are no roads to get there. You can't drive from Lima to Iquitos. It's you know, impossible. So it, because of its isolated location, that's another reason why you know, they want to be careful, make sure they're getting a steady food supply in and things like that before we go back. So November 1st, flights open up. And then during that week, the Congress, as maybe some of you know from news, voted to kick out the president and he was kicked out and there have been demonstrations and uh, manifestaciones I don't know how to say that in English manifestations that doesn't sound right but demonstrations unrest and also an increase in crime so they have a new president put in place now by the Congress but people are upset the Congress is taking too much power and so it's it's unrest unrestful is that a word and there's not you know, it's not a safe, good situation right now. So pray that that could also settle down, that we would be allowed to go back, and we would appreciate that. We are trusting the Lord that he has the right time for us to go back and looking forward and praying toward that end. I'd like to also share something with you this morning that this is something that the Lord taught me during the time that we were in Peru. We were only there for 13 months before we had to leave, and we would have wanted to be there longer. But during that year, this is something that 
um, God was teaching me. One day I was at, um, at a church, and Soyla, the pastor's wife, she came up to me and she said, Hey, Wendy, um, I'd like to ask you if you could be the speaker at our ladies' meeting. Now, you have to realize that this is ladies' meeting of about 10 churches, ladies that come on a Saturday afternoon, and they sing and they have games, and you know, then they have a speaker and everything. But it's, it can be up to 100 people, okay? Sometimes only 50. And so um, she said, would you be the speaker at this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and my Spanish is not nearly good enough, and I'm a lot more comfortable with children than ladies anyway, and there are certainly way more ladies here that are qualified than I am to, you know, do that. So, oh, uh, no. <laughs> and so they said, okay, I'll, I'll ask you again. <laughs> okay, I'll still say no, but okay. And so I went home. And then a couple nights later, I was having a hard time sleeping. I was wide awake at 1.30 in the morning and just couldn't sleep. And the Holy Spirit was um, speaking to my heart. And he's, he said, you know, Wendy, what you teaching in Sunday school these days? Moses. And um, what did Moses say to God when God called him to serve him? Um, well... Um, Moses said things like, I can't speak very well, and I can't do that, and can't you please send somebody else more qualified than me, and no one's going to believe me and listen to me anyway, and yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm kind of getting the message here, Lord, and God used my own teaching. Can you believe that? The things I was teaching the kids to try to get the kids to obey what God wanted them to do, and God was using it to tell me, hey, you need to obey what I want you to do because my excuses really sounded an awful lot like Moses's. I saw a couple smiles. You got the correlation already there. It's not too hard. Even you know me and the feel, way I was feeling, I got it right away too. And God just um, let me know. Hey, you know what? I was with Moses. I helped him, and I will be with you, and I can help you too. They will want to listen to you, and you know I'll help you. Yeah, you'll make mistakes, but you know that's how you learn. And so I said all right, you do know Spanish, and so you can help me, and um, okay, I'll do it. And God said, Moses, I'm going to be with you, and God said, Wendy, I'm going to be with you, and he encouraged me, so I said, all right, I'll do it. I'm still scared to death, (laughs) but then I had peace in my heart and was able to fall asleep. The next Saturday, I again saw Soyla, and I said, well, you know, this is what happened, and she laughed, and she said, I knew you were going to say yes. (laughs) So, okay. Uh, It was supposed to be December 9th, but of course, you know, we're not going to be there. They're not going to actually have that particular ladies' meeting, but I have a feeling, a very strong one that she'll ask me again. And that time, I guess I'll say yes right away, right? Don't have a sleepless night, right? Um, So I do want to kind of add a little bit of a disclaimer, too, because I don't want to make someone in here feel guilty, like you have to do every single thing that you're asked to do at the church or in your school or whatever, you know, whatever like that. But if it's something that you feel like, God is wanting you to do like it was in my situation then you should say yes so maybe you need to be a little bit careful about some of the excuses you might offer oh you know I'm kind of too young to do that or maybe you might say well I'm kind of too old to do that some people might say well I'm not talented enough I I don't have enough money to go on a short-term missions trip you gotta be kidding me where's that gonna come from other people can do it better than I can I don't even want to do it can't you get somebody else please and those are excuses So when you know that God wants you to do something, decide that you'll obey today and then see what God can do.
Well, I wanted to say a little bit about the uh, about this group that uh, Wendy works with, the children. They uh, they're very poor. A uh, lot of the parents, and this was before COVID, they're even poorer now. But a lot of the parents, uh, fathers in the family, don't really have regular jobs. They go out. If they get a job, then they bring back money that day. And otherwise, they don't have anything. So they have to put more rice or potatoes or pasta in the pot to go around. Well, the children uh, that come for Sunday school on Sunday mornings, they are served. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's uh, has different uh, things in it. I, what do they call it, hon? Remember? Okay, they call it chapel, but it's supposed to be nutritious for them, and they're given a little plastic cup. If that is their breakfast, okay, for all of Sunday morning, if they don't have that, if they don't come to Sunday school, they don't eat breakfast, these children. Okay, so they're very, very poor. Uh, but uh, they're faithful, and, and uh, Wendy's able to minister to them. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to put into your hands this, uh, this hour, and uh, we just rejoice that we can uh, share about these things, the way that you're working uh, there in Peru. We just pray that you'll uh, encourage the uh, believers here in the church that uh, they can go out and, and uh, reach, be a salt and light here in the community. We just uh, want to give you this hour and that you'll be uh, blessed and, and glorified in everything we, we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. When we uh, went to Peru, one of the reasons uh, that led us from Spain to Iquitos, we uh, understood there was a need for teachers at the Bible Institute. We try to use the Peruvian leaders as much as possible. And as I was sharing with pastor last night, a lot of the pastors work full-time jobs. So they're a pastor, but uh, they have to do that after their hour. So you can think of, you know, put yourself in their shoes. So they work full-time jobs, and then they have to be a pastor besides. So they're very overworked. Uh, they have a lot to do, and uh, they, they need help. But some of them need training. So some of them will be teachers, those who have a lot of uh, background. Uh, we, we try to use those at the institute. But then there are a lot of classes that we want to offer that uh, they need help. So we have Tim Farley, who's the director. He's uh, on our mission and one of the missionaries. We have three. We're, we're kind of a small group in, in the city of Iquitos with our mission. We have three couples, okay, Tim and Virgie Farley, Andy and Carol Patton, my brother and sister-in-law, and then ourselves. Now, we also had a single lady, Lynn Porter, who actually was a missionary kid that, that grew up there, and then she went back and was uh, uh, working with the deaf ministry for many years. But she recently passed away of cancer, so now we're down to three couples again. So Tim, uh, Tim and Virgie t teach some classes, Andy teaches classes there at the Institute, and then I was teaching class. The first class I taught, I've taught uh, three, um, but uh, the first class I taught was biblical geography. And uh, after a few classes, I was giving them quizzes, you know, every day, and I just, they weren't getting the material. And so I approached the director and I said, Tim, I, I'm trying to make this very simple, very clear, you know, I've taught for many years at different levels, and this should be fairly easy. It's like, I don't know, what, what can I do? I mean, I'm trying to get through to them. It doesn't seem like they're learning. And he, he said, John, listen, you have to understand something. Uh, here in this culture, they don't have any concept of maps. Okay, so I'm trying to teach them geography using maps, but they don't really have, they don't understand about maps. So 
these are, these are some of the uh, challenges that we have when we're working with them. And so we work through it and, and try to teach it in different ways, be creative, and uh, do it in, the, in a way that they would understand it and just have patience with them and uh, uh, don't expect too much out of them in, in those, those areas. But we do want them to learn. So who are, the, who are the students? Well, some will be pastors, maybe new pastors, young pastors that don't have a lot of background, don't have a lot of, uh, uh, as we say in Spanish, formation. Uh, they don't have a lot of education. Uh, maybe they didn't go to Bible school, but they're pastors now. Um, and then also leaders. Some, some are asked to be a, a Sunday school teacher. Uh, some are, might be elders in the church that are asked to preach, but they know they need more help. They need, to, they, they need more classes, and this helps them. There are also ladies that, that take classes. Uh, some are involved in music. Some are involved with children. Some work with the deaf ministry. And we have classes set up to help them as well, or youth ministry. Some are involved in youth ministry, so we have classes that are available for them. Um, pray for us. Uh, the, as you know, here in the church, you've had to make, uh, going through COVID, we, we know we're not alone, okay? I'm not saying, you know, we're the only ones that have this problem. But you understand, that's why I'm speaking to you, but you understand, uh, since COVID started, we have a whole new set of problems you've had to deal with. You're con we, we constantly have to be changing uh, how we reach out to people. So we have that challenge as well. But with us as particular, as, as uh, Wendy had mentioned, we don't have fiber optics in Iquitos. They have this plan they're going to do, and I'm just saying, I'll believe it when I see it, okay? But they need fiber optics to be able to get faster internet connection. Very frustrating for me. I, I, I depend I have to say, I don't say this proudly, but I depend on the internet. If I don't have internet, it just drives me crazy, especially if it's slow. But uh, we've tried the idea, we've thought of the idea since COVID started with a quarantine of having Zoom classes, but it doesn't really work because the Zoom connection is just too slow. Like to have a Zoom meeting with other people in other places, it's, it's almost impossible. There's a lot of interest in that. But when it really comes down to about two or three people signed up for classes, and that we just can't continue uh, educating all the people that we want to reach out to. So you can be in prayer about that. Give us, we need ideas. We're also, even before COVID started, we were trying to uh, adapt our classes. We, we're teaching the same way we taught decades ago when my father was a director of the institute, when he was teaching classes, I mean, before he arrived on the field. Okay, this is, uh, you know, this, this uh, institute has, has been in existence for decades. Is that the best way? Is that the most effective way we can teach them? So we're also going through those challenges, a uh, way to get through to the people to be able to educate them in their way, uh, to be culturally relevant. These are some of the things you can be in prayer about. Now at the, uh, briefly, because I'll, we'll share a little bit more about that during the presentation, but uh, at the Peniel Church, uh, I, uh, the way we have it set up is I preach in the morning service at the church and Pastor Hugo Teago will preach the evening, uh, Sunday evening service and then there's a midweek service as well. So he'll speak, he speaks at the midweek service. And uh, so that's worked out really well and there's some people in the church that we help, uh, I help disciple. Uh, one of them is uh, Pedro Panaifo and uh, he's uh, the only believer in his family he comes over once a week. Uh, we go into a, uh, we have a library in our in the mission owned house, and we sit down and, and we've been going through material called uh, it's put out by our mission uh, ABWE called the whole thing is called Good Soil. It's basically very similar to what uh, New Tribes came up with, basically going through the Bible. I'm trying. Yeah, oh, I'm not connected there. Okay, so I can move. Okay, 
But it's like going through the Bible. You start with Genesis and you go through Revelation. So the whole material is called Good Soil. The first one would be, uh, uh, there's a way to joy for uh, new believers. There's the story of hope for those who are like unsaved people or people you aren't quite sure. So that's a very simple one. And then you move to the other one um, where it goes into more detail so that they can grow in the Lord. But we also have... Uh, we also have the uh, roots of faith. That, so now they have roots of faith that concentrates in the Old Testament. And then there's another one that's, uh, that works uh, real specific stories on the New Testament. Now, I haven't taken that yet. That's kind of new material. But uh, Wendy, and I, Wendy and I went to Columbia because I've had a lot of the training. I had some training at the headquarters uh, when we, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania and uh, in Madrid, and then also one of the first t uh, teaching uh, courses they had in Spanish, it was in Seville, they were kind of testing it out at that time, so I was there. But Wendy didn't have any exposure to any of these classes, so they were offering it in Bogota, so we were able to go there in December, and we took that. When I was there, Jonathan Stone, who is a missionary in Lima, said, John, would you consider, we're going to offer, we're going to teach the same material, but in Spanish in Lima coming up in February. Are you interested in helping? Sure. Well, I thought I was going to be teaching like maybe one or two classes. Well, not as many pastors were able to, uh, to actually go and teach. They were planning on it, but because of cir cir circumstances, they weren't able to make it. So I was teaching three, four, sometimes five classes in one day. So I had to learn. I, I, was, I was preparing for that the night before. So, and, uh, but anyway, so what I did is, I didn't go by myself. I thought, I want to take someone with me. So I took Pastor Hugo de Agua from our church, Benio Baptist Church, all along. So he, could, he would be familiar with material, and he would be able to use it in the church as well. So he was there. Uh, two other pastors from Iquitos were there too, uh, Juan Hoyos and Pastor Kanakiri, who was a pastor in Nauta, and uh, were there as well. So, so he was able to have exposure to that. And hopefully we can use that in the church, and so he can be teaching some of that as well, and that's, that's, my, uh, that's my goal. We have uh, uh, friends uh, in uh, a town of Flor de Punga, uh, Pastor uh, Teddy uh, Okumbe. His father and my father worked together in a, a town called Tamanco many years ago, and he's now the pastor of Flor de Punga, and they were ha going to have an anniversary. So when his brother was in Iquitos, uh, Feliciano, he said, uh, to my brother and to myself, could you come? We'd like you to be some of the special speakers. Andy was the, the main speaker at this anniversary. So it was a big thing. They invited a lot of churches from the various uh, towns, villages, and cities in the jungle. Some went from Iquito, some went from Genaro Herrera, from Requena. And so there were a lot of churches represented there. They had different groups, and, and we had uh, workshops that we taught uh, throughout you know, that, that long weekend. And then we were able, uh, I was able to preach as well. Well, uh, it's, it's just different um, when you're there. I, the first time I came up to do the workshop, I had all my material laid out. And I started to teach, and, and uh, the, one of the elders, actually the, the music pastor, uh, Feliciano, said, Brother, just wait a minute. And so he, he got out this, uh, uh, I'm trying to think in English, the... It, it was, it was, uh, araña, huh? What's an araña? Okay, spider. I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking Spanish, okay? So anyways, there was a spider web, but it was like kind of a round thing like that, okay? So he gets it out, and he throws it out the window, you know, into the, 
the grass out there. And I start to teach, and he says, oh, brother, wait. So he goes down there, whoop, and he gets one of the spiders, a big spider, and he throws that out. Okay, now you can start. Okay. So anyways, we had a wonderful time. We had all these churches. The, the pastor put up uh, most of the people. We stayed in a, a hotel across the street. Uh, very, you know, when I say hotel, it's not the hotel you think of. It wasn't Hampton Inn, okay? Uh, but, uh, but, that, that, but anyway, so he hosted a lot of the people on the second floor of his house. They fed everyone all these meals. It was incredible. And they started early in the morning. You, you know, you think, you know, the Christians here are dedicated. I mean, they started their classes. Those workshops started, I would say, 6 o'clock late at the latest, but it was really early. Well, my brother and I, we had to teach, and we did not go to those early ones. Uh, you know, it was like pastor sheets and, you know, brother pillow or something. But, but we, we uh, slept in a little more and had a breakfast. But anyways, so we got to the last evening. It was great. You know, I taught, uh, I preached on the, the Samaritan woman, and we had other pastors that also shared. So we got to the, the main event, you know, it was Sunday night, and Andy was the special speaker, and they had special music from the, the choir there in the church. And uh, they, uh, so we got done with the service, and they started feeding everyone, and they had all these cakes, a whole big tier of cakes that they were going to serve afterwards. And we're eating. And, well, what happens is when the sun, the sun goes down about 6 o'clock, okay, every day, okay, you don't have, you know, dark, it's not like light till 10 o'clock or whatever. It's always 6 o'clock, okay, because you're near the equator. And uh, so they turn on the lights, I think, at 6, but it's only on till, till 10 o'clock, the city offers. So all the lights go off at 10. So that's what happened. All the lights went off. Well, they have a generator in the back, so they said, no, no problem. And within two or three minutes, they had that thing on. Boom, the lights go on. There's a problem. You're right out in the middle of the jungle. It attracts something called insects. There's only one building in the whole jungle that has lights on. So all the insects went there. We had these black beetles, hundreds of black beetles. And it's open because it's so hot. We had hundreds of black beetles come through the door and in all the windows. So you're eating, and you know they'll say, Brother, excuse me. So you have beetles in your hair, beetles in your pocket, beetles in your food, beetles everywhere, okay? And they were attracted to the light. So they go up to the lights, and their wings would burn, and so they would go, wham, on the floor. Well, this wasn't a girl thing. If you know anything about boys, what do boys do? Let's kill them! So they're running around, stomping on all the beetles, and we're trying to fellowship there. I'm trying to get, everyone wants their picture with us. So we're taking pictures, and, you know, here's an email address, and keep in touch, and everything. But anyways, it was a great time. But anyways, while we were there, I, I say that, while we were there, there was uh, a, a couple, an elderly couple, that gave me some avocados. He said, we want you to come to our house. So I went to their house, and I said, you know, sister, how are things going? She says, well, they asked, and this is an old lady. Okay? She's got a lot of years. They asked me to teach the ladies, but I have no material. I mean, I have my Bible, I teach all the lessons, but I need some material. Could you help me? So, well, I don't have anything, but I'll try to get some. So anyways, I went, and I, I was going to get something in Lima. I didn't have the opportunity because I had the flu. And I got back. It's like, what a... So um, Feliciano Cumbe, the music pastor, was there in town because he had to get pieces for their, uh, their bread-making machine. They sell bread to help the ministry and their, to provide for their family. 
and he comes by the house. He just basically, you know, they come, and uh, he's in town. He just comes, and he's there for lunch. You feed him lunch. He might be there for supper. He might leave. You don't know. So he's there, and I go, you know, I said, Brother, you know, I promised this, uh, this sister that's teaching the ladies that I was going to give her some material. Well, I had some of that good soil stuff. Material. I had some extra. It was old. It was an older edition, and we wanted to give it, you know, use it. So I, I got, I think, 15 or 17. I said, here, take this to Sister So-and-so. So he opens it up. I'm trying to explain to him, you know, this is what it's about, and this is what it teaches. And he shakes his head and he goes, no, this isn't going to Sister So-and-so. This is for the elders of the church. We have to teach this to the men. So I'm thinking, oh, no, those poor ladies are still waiting. So I've got to get some material for them. But anyways, um, while I was there, the, the Baptist church in Arcana asked me to... to uh, at their uh, anniversary but that was in the summer but of course we had COVID so I wasn't able to do that so hopefully we'll be able to uh, when we go back I'll be able to do uh, visit them as well um, just uh, be in prayer for our ministries we're trying to reach out to our neighbors uh, uh, when uh, did you you didn't share about your mango ministry right the mango ministry we have this tree in the backyard that's, that has thousands of mangoes and we when we have extra, we try to give, you know, distribute them to our, our neighbors. And so we've gotten connected or reconnected with a lot of neighbors through that. Just the generosity, you know, because the world is, they, they want something back. You know, oh, this is for free? What, you know, what's the catch? But uh, they've been really impressed by that, and we've, we've been able to open up some doors from that as well. Pray for my, uh, some of the friends that I grew up with there. Uh, most of them are not believers. They, we've shared with them but they've rejected Christ. Uh, I want to share this, and then I'll, I'll finish. Um, one of my friends, uh, Miguel Ceballos, is from a, uh, our best friends uh, when we lived at the uh, guest house on Aguirre Street when I was going to Belen Temple. Um, he came to the Lord years later, um, went to the evangelical church, and we were able to meet up with him in Lima, and I knew uh, there wasn't much time. And it was just, uh, it, was, it was so encouraging to me thinking way back in uh, 1963 when my parents got to the field, um, uh, arriving from Costa Rica where they studied Spanish, working with this family, um, their, uh, Miguel's mother passed away of cancer, my dad went to speak with her before she went to Lima and then passed away there, that she had an assurance of her salvation, that it wasn't her works, that it was she had faith in Christ for her salvation. So, you know, we have the mother that made a profession of faith, and then Miguel. Everyone else, as far as I know, does not know the Lord. I think Miguel's wife might be a Christian, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, it was just so nice to sit down and, and hear him uh, share about what the Lord has done in his life. You know, he was all, it was work, money, provide for the family. That's all he lived for. And then he found out there were things that were more important. Everyone knew he was a believer, is you know, in the business world, his friends, his family, everyone knew he was a Christian. It was very encouraging to see that. So pray as we work with these, uh, the other uh, people that we know um, that, uh, that, really, that really need the Lord. Um, I wanted to share this before, uh, before we're done. Uh, if you would go with me to Luke, uh, Luke 9, <clears throat> just have something, and we'll, we'll finish up here. I know our time's up. Uh, Luke chapter 9. I've got one, I have to explain something here. I've got a... I've got a sticky, sticky page situation in my new Bible, so I'm going to have to take, take care of that. Um, and this is what it says. Um, in Luke 9, 23, it says, And he said to them, 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whatsoever will save his, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and he lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. And when he shall come in his own glory and his own fathers and of the holy angels. Um, I think when, when we look at this passage, I, I know there, sometimes we misunderstand it. And I think some people, they, maybe they have a bad relationship, uh, whether they're you know, going with someone or they're, they're, you know, they're married. Or maybe they have a child that's just not, you know, living how they were taught. Maybe you have a, a boss that is, um, you know, just gives you a hard time. Uh, maybe there's a, an illness in the fa- family and you say, well, that's my cross that I have to bear for Christ. And we can do it as unto the Lord. I'm sure God will reward us, but that's not what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about being willing, and it doesn't always happen, happen but being willing to give up everything. It could be friendships, it could be your job, it could be anything, but give up anything. We should be willing to give up anything for Christ. And that's what it's talking about. I know when I was young, I thought, you know, I become a Christian, all the fun things, you know, that is, I gotta say, you know, goodbye to all the fun things in life. He does, and, and whatever God's gonna call me to, it can't be fun. I mean, God would never do that, you know. Well, you find out differently. That is the most important thing. All these things that we work for, the things, the cars, the houses, it might be a spouse that you've dreamed about, you know, but you know that all, it, you have to leave it. When we go, we have to leave that. That's not what lasts. We should be working for something that lasts. And uh, this, is, this is the sort of thing that uh, we, we uh, that keep, not only gets us there to the mission field, but keeps us there. So, not all of you are going to be missionaries. And that doesn't mean that you aren't living 100% in the will of God. That's not what we're talking about. But you need to be willing to do that, to take up that cross that, that Christ is, call, uh, is, is calling us to. We should be willing to do that. And it means some, for some of us, it's going to mean, and I think with time here in our country, that that's going to mean uh, giving up a lot. We'll, we'll see who the real believers are. With well, this COVID, some people aren't coming back to church anymore. Not, I'm not talking about this church. But in some places, they, you know, people call themselves Christians. They aren't going to church anymore. They say, I don't have no, no intention of going back. Well, were they true believers? Well, not according to the Bible. I, I can't give them an assurance. We don't know. But uh, so those are, those are some things that we need to think about. I'm going to just finish with this. Uh, in, uh, in Peru, a lot of times the people ask, where would you rather be, in your country or here in Peru? So how do you answer? Well, I learned from a veteran missionary lady in Spain, when she was asked that in Spain, because they like to ask that a lot, you know, which country's better? Her answer was, and this is what my answer is, I want to be wherever Christ wants me to be. And that's where we should be. Pastor. Yeah. 